Well, if you have your Bibles there at home today, uh, you might like to take them out. And we're going to be heading to uh, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we'll be this morning. And uh, before we do that, I'm going to pray and we'll uh, open up the word together. So Lord, I thank you that we can open up your word this morning. Thank you for the power of your word to change and transform us, Lord. And uh, God, I thank you that it is always a good thing to open up the scriptures, but particularly in a season such as this, where we can um, hear from you, we can learn uh, the things that are on your heart, we can just find strength and peace, Lord God, through the words of your uh, scriptures, God. And this morning, I pray that you would just open up our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, and may your word accomplish the purpose that you have for it this morning, and yield a harvest many times that which was sown, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the extra hour of sleep last night with daylight savings changing back. Um, and I think probably for many of you it seemed like more than just an hour because you didn't have to get ready to come to church, so I hope that you're able to make the most of that this morning. But uh, as, as we're all aware, life as we know it has changed so much uh, just in this last few weeks, hasn't it? I was just saying to a good friend of mine this week that, you know, it, it seems like an age ago that we had our last service at, at Vision, at our previous premises, when in fact it was only a few short weeks ago. Uh, we're all very new to this live streaming thing, but, uh, you know, it seems like we've doing, been, been doing live streaming for a while now. It's only our third Sunday, and of course we've now moved out of our premises at the Gladstone Street facility, so a lot can happen in only a few short weeks. And so in this season with lots of changes, and you've probably had many of these affect you personally, whether it be your work life, uh, your home life, your social life, church life of course, um, all these things, and for us as a church, everything of course has moved to online. Online youth group, online home group, our services of course being streamed online, our weekly update videos, all those sort of things. And one of the interesting things or the challenging things that I've found personally in the midst of all these changes is, you know, uh, in the midst of these gatherings online, where do I look? Where do I place my focus? You know, the, the web platforms that we've been using, there's so many faces in front of me uh, on the screen. Where do I look? Where do I focus? Is it the camera on the, on the MacBook? Is it the person that I'm talking to? Is it everyone so that everyone gets a sense of, you know, some eye contact? Or is it myself so that I make sure I look good as I'm looking through the camera? Where do I look? Where do I place my focus? This is a, a dilemma in this season that we're in. But in our lives of faith, and certainly in this season that we're in right now, there is a parallel, I believe, that we can draw from this. Because there are so many things that we can be focusing on, aren't there? There's so many things that we can be looking to. Where do we look? Where is our focus? Is it the news reports? Is it what people on social media are saying? Is it the voice of fear? Is it our bank balance? Is it you could fill in the blank there? So in the midst of all that has been happening, which can so easily take our attention, our focus, our energy, I want to bring a message this morning that 
hopefully draws our hearts and our attention to Jesus to exhort us with some important things in this season in terms of how we are called to live and where we are called to have our focus. So let's read together in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is a time, isn't it, to not grow weary or faint-hearted. And you know, this passage is a wonderful, rich, theologically deep passage, which really we could spend a series on each and every part of each and every verse. But I just want to bring a few things out this morning um, to help us focus in times such as such as the ones that we are in, unprecedented times. Who's overhearing that word? Unprecedented. You know, how are we called to live? What's our response? And where and what should our focus be? You know, I believe it's not a time to fear. It's not a time to shrink back, but an opportunity to recalibrate, to refocus, and to take stock of where we're at and to really hone in on what is truly important and make adjustments in our lives accordingly. So in the passage this morning, the writer of Hebrews starts this particular passage having just penned this amazing chapter on faith, the heroes of the faith. He starts with, therefore, almost as if he's saying, because of the example of these incredible men and women of the faith who endured hardship, who endured uncertainty, who endured and walked through fear, who endured everything else that life could throw at them. Because of these people who remain faithful and receive their reward, what can we learn? We can learn from them and we can follow their example. So the first exhortation this morning in light of this is, if I can turn my page, it's to lay aside, lay aside. The writer starts this passage with a call and an exhortation to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And you know, if we're to not grow weary and faint-hearted in this season, if we're to run with endurance, the race marked out for us, if we're to not shrink back in times of difficulty and trial, to run far and long in our faith, we must travel light. No place, there's no place for the extra things that will ultimately weigh us down or even throw us off course. And in this passage, it's a kind of an athletic term used here, running the race with endurance, throwing off the weights. And athletes of the day used to wear training weights to help them prepare for the events. But of course, they never wore them in the race because it would weigh them down and hold them back. So what are the weights that we should remove? What are the things that we should lay aside Well, in a nutshell, it's everything that hinders our progress in the Lord. Everything that's going to take our attention and our focus upon the one who really matters. 
It could even be the good things or the seemingly good things in and of themselves. I, I think of the old hymn, When I Survey, that says, All the vain things that charm me most. There are some vain things that can charm us and take our attention and our focus and our wonder away from what truly matters. What are the weights that we should remove? All the things that hinder our progress in the Lord. And we're also exhorted to lay aside the sin that clings so closely. And the word that's, that's translated, you know, clings so closely, literally means a serious hindrance that encircles or hampers someone who desperately needs to advance. And I want to suggest that as followers of Jesus, we need to be people who desperately need to advance, to move forward, to not shrink back. In Genesis 4-7, it says that sin is near, crouching at the door. And I think, isn't that just the, the picture of what sin is like? It's, it's there, always looking for an opportunity to cling and, and take hold in our lives. In Romans 7, Paul writes, you know, basically he says, what I, I do want to do, I do not do. And what I do not want to do, I do. When I want to do good, evil is right there, close at hand. This thing that clings so closely, it hangs around like a bad smell. Have you ever done a big clean out? Perhaps of your house, perhaps a car, a storage shed, perhaps a church building as we've done in the last week or two. And it's amazing the stuff that accumulates, isn't it? Amazing the stuff that just builds up over time. In moving out of our Gladstone Street premises just in the last week or so, it was a time that we had to cull. It was a time to lay aside, if you like. It was a time to get rid of that which wasn't needed, that which had no purpose, that which we simply had no room for anymore, that we couldn't continue to bring with us. And it was amazing to see over the course of a few days the foyer of the previous building just grow and grow and grow, fuller and fuller, with all this stuff that had just kind of been there. It had been there for years, some of it, and it no longer was needed. It no longer had a purpose. We could no longer carry it or bring it with us. And it kind of got me thinking as I watched this stuff accumulate in the foyer. It's a picture of our lives of faith. It's amazing what can accumulate that can hinder our progress spiritually both the external things and the internal things in our hearts as well. It's amazing the things that can take up space, that can take up our attention, that can fill our time and fill up space in our lives. And it's amazing the junk that needs to just be cleaned out at times. Perhaps it's an attitude that has gone unchecked in our hearts. Perhaps it's just a bit of unforgiveness that's kind of hung around. It's clung so closely and turned into bitterness. Perhaps it's a, a need for approval that has grown into something so much more than that, in, into this thing of causing you to find your identity or your worth or your significance in what others say rather than what God says. Perhaps it's an unhealthy pattern of how we use our time. Perhaps it's a habitual pattern of sin that's, that's just there and has been left unchecked and undealt with. You don't need me to keep listing things. I, I'm trusting that the Lord will be speaking to hearts even now, bringing things to mind wherever you're at this morning, just as he's been doing to me lately. 
In a season where many of the, the things perhaps that can take our time and attention are, are stripped away in many ways, how are we called to respond and to live? Perhaps this is a time and a season where the Lord is desiring to do a deep work in our hearts so that we can live more free, that we can live more whole, more able to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let me encourage you this morning to lay aside those things, those things that need to be laid aside, those things that perhaps are weighing you down, those things, the sin that's clinging so closely. Bring those things to the foot of the cross this morning. Invite the Lord into those parts of your life, to those parts of your heart, and lay them aside. The second exhortation this morning from the passage is this, a second L. So we've had lay aside, now look to Jesus. I believe this is how we're called to live in this season. And I love this phrase, look to Jesus. It's an exhortation to lift our eyes. It's an exhortation to trust in Jesus. For he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who has gone before us and makes a way. He is our example that we should follow after. He is the one who will bring to completion that which he has started. And you know, looking to Jesus is not just a, a single act, but it's an attitude of faith to continue to look to him, to continue to trust in him, to continue to follow him. It's not just a, a casual glance, you know, to try and get our bearings every now and then, but he is the bearing we must live our lives by. The usage of the, the Greek word that's translated looking to or fixing our gaze upon it means to look away from something else or from all else to see distinctly. It means fixing our gaze. It means filling our gaze with Jesus, the wonder of who he is. By laying aside the weights and the sin that can cling so closely, I believe we can more clearly see Jesus. I've had this analogy on my heart this week, just as I've been preparing, and it might be for, for one, it might speak to one person or more, hopefully. But uh, you know, when you go to the beach and uh, you know, there's the, the flags swimming between the flags, swimming, swimming between the flags, it's, it represents the safe place, isn't it? The place as you're swimming, as you look back, the place you look to to ensure you've got your bearings, to ensure that you're, you're where you need to be. But you know, there are times perhaps uh, when the waves are strong, when there's a bit of a pull perhaps across the beach and you're happily swimming, you're happily going through the waves and just enjoying the surf and you forget to look back at the flags just to make sure you're on course, just to make sure you've got your bearings. And then all of a sudden you finally look around and you realize how far you've drifted from that place of safety, that place of where you're meant to be. And it's a picture at times, isn't it, of our lives of faith. When we look at where we're meant to get our bearings, it's, of course, Jesus, the place that we're meant to be, that place of safety. The waves can come, the, the tide or the, uh, the pool can pull us across and we can drift away. But I believe this is a season where it's giving us an opportunity for all of us to refocus upon Jesus. Perhaps the demands of life 
the busyness, all those things, the uncertainty at the moment have caused you to drift further and further away, just subtly even. Perhaps you don't even realise it. Perhaps it's clouded your vision of Jesus. But let me encourage you this morning. Let this be a season of coming back to that place of lifting your eyes, of looking to Jesus, looking to who he is and remembering all that he has done. And when we're talking about looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, it's not just a, a suggestion of when we get round to it, we'll, we'll look to him or we'll take a quick glance. But it is imperative for us as followers of him. And let me just share a little bit. This is why. I just want to read a, just from a few other passages this morning that just highlight the, the wonder and the greatness and the magnitude of who Jesus is. And why it's imperative that we are looking to him, that our, we are fixing our gaze upon him. In Hebrews 4, it says that he is our great high priest through whom we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and receive mercy and help in time of need. Look to Jesus. Colossians 1, it says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything he has the supremacy. Let us look to Jesus this morning. Philippians 2, it says that Jesus was in the form of God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. And for us, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death on the cross. And he is now highly exalted and has the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So let us look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let our perspective and vision of Jesus be enlarged in this season as we look to him, as we follow his example, as we allow him to capture our hearts afresh. This is where our focus must be. If you don't know how or where to focus in this season, if there just seems to be too many things going on to really focus on, like me with the, the issue of the technology and not knowing where to look, let me encourage you this morning to look to Jesus, to focus upon him, to trust in him, to fill your gaze with the wonder of who he is, to open up the word, to read afresh, just as I've read a few different passages this morning, who Jesus is. So in this season, we're called to lay aside, we're called to look to Jesus. The final thing this morning, we're called to lean into the finished work of the cross. To lean into the finished work of the cross. You know, I looked up just a definition of to lean in, what that, what that means. And it means to shift your body weight forward or towards something or someone. To embrace, we could say. To not resist or move away from. To lean in. And with all that's been happening around us, with the various social restrictions, working from home, 
church online, things like that, moving out of church buildings, it seems a little bit like Easter has snuck up on us a bit. I'm not sure if you feel like that way at home. But Easter is, of course, next week where we remember our sinless Saviour took the punishment that we should be receiving, where we remember that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so for us, the progression from laying aside the weights and the sin that clings so closely to looking to Jesus is to then lean into, embrace the finished work of the cross. In verse 2 of Hebrews 12, we read that he endured the cross. He endured the cross literally means he bore up and remained under the load of the cross. He didn't waver, but he carried the shame. And he endured and he finished the work the Father had for him to do. And he's now seated at the right hand, the throne of God. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He thought little of the shame because of the joy that was before him, completing the Father's will and bringing many sons and daughters to glory. So let's keep this truth at the forefront of our minds as we approach Easter. But particularly in this season with all the uncertainty that surrounds, the finished work of the cross. May this be a time where we enlarge our vision and our perspective of who he is by looking to him, by trusting him. But as we do that, may it be a time of narrowing our focus or honing our focus, we could say, removing those peripheral things, those weights and hindrances, the sin that clings so closely so that our, our focus is honed upon him. This season of social restrictions of things being stripped away needn't be wasted time. It needn't be a time to shrink back, needn't be a time to fear, but rather let it be a time to remember how we are called to live, to lay aside the things that, that shouldn't be there, the things that will hinder our progress in, in moving forward in our walks with Jesus. May it be a time where we look to Jesus, where we fix our gaze upon him, the author and perfecter of our faith as a continual act of faith and trust. And may it be a time to lean into, to embrace the finished work of the cross, the price that Jesus paid, knowing that it is finished, the victory that he won. So that's the encouragement this morning. Amen. And as we, as we just finish up our time together in this service today, we're going to just partake of communion as we do uh, each week. And so if at home you've got that prepared and ready, um, you might like to just, to just head towards that now. As we come to Easter next week, there are two phrases that we will remember, that we'll be focusing on a lot next week. It is finished and, it, and he is risen. It is finished and he is risen. And these are such significant 
and powerful phrases for us who believe. It is finished. It means it has been and forever will remain finished. Our sins are forgiven. Our shame is washed away. Our eternal life is secured in Jesus. And then as we move towards Resurrection Sunday, He is risen. Because He lives, we too have life in His name. And so this morning, as we eat the bread and drink from the cup, it says in 1 Corinthians that we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so it's not just a a routine or a ritual this morning that we go through. It's something powerful as we remember the finished work of the cross and the risen Saviour, proclaiming what He has done for us until He returns. So just as we uh, partake of communion, I'm going to pray and uh, I just invite you to join with me in that because I feel as though the Lord is wanting to just, um, just meet with each of you wherever you're at, just in a, a personal and a powerful way. Um, you know, in this season where we don't have uh, prayer lines, unfortunately, we don't have, you know, the laying on of hands here. But, you know, God is not limited by that. He is more than able to uh, touch hearts and lives, to, to meet you wherever you're at, right there in your home, uh, in your living room, in your bedroom. And so I'm, I'm going to pray and just believe that he's going to just breathe life and touch and break through in, in, in lives this morning. So let's, uh, let's join in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day, that this is the day that you have made, Lord, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you, Lord, for the significance of these two phrases that we find in Scripture that we particularly call to mind and remember, Lord, at, at this time of year as we approach Easter, that it is finished. Lord, that the price that you paid on the cross is enough, was sufficient. You took our sin, you took our shame. The punishment that brought us peace was upon you. And I thank you for the phrase that that you are risen, that you conquered the grave, that you are alive today. Because you live, we have life. And uh, so right now, I just really feel to pray, um, particularly for anyone who may be watching this, who you just feel like you're lacking peace, like you're feeling just really isolated or lacking uh, hope. I feel like the Lord really wants to bring His peace and His hope this morning. And I also just want to pray for for anyone who uh, perhaps you have a physical need that you need healing in some uh, area of your body. It could be a physical need. It could be uh, an emotional or mental need. Whatever it might be, I believe that the Lord is wanting to just bring His touch this morning. So wherever you're at, if you're watching this, I just invite you to... um, if it's peace and hope that you're just longing for this morning, just open up your hands to the Lord just as a, a simple uh, act of surrender, um, inviting Him to come. And if it's a, a particular area of healing that, that you're needing this morning, let me just encourage you to lay your hand upon that part of your body, wherever it might be, 
And I'm just believing that the Lord is, is going to bring His touch this morning. He's not limited by time or space or distance or anything like that. So Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, You would release Your peace, Your perfect peace, Lord, that goes beyond our understanding, that it would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that You would just cause fresh hope to arise. Lord, where there's any sense of despair or fear or loneliness or isolation, I pray that Your hope would rise up this morning. And I pray, Lord, even just as we partake of communion, Lord, that your healing will just flow to those who need a touch from you today. Thank you that by your wounds, by your stripes, we are healed, Lord. So we remember and we honour you this day. And I invite you just to work and move by your Spirit in the hearts and the lives of all who are watching this. In the name of Jesus. Amen.